Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Today is Thursday, September 12th. It's week three of the ACC football season. We've got the great preview show for you this week. But first off, before we get started, Tim, what's going on? You know, I'm laying on a couch in my parents' first floor home in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I'm up here for a work retreat. And let's just say getting here uh, was a myriad of mishaps, um, dive bars, trek up the eastern seaboard of this beautiful nation we call the United States of America. But I'm here and I'm ready to podcast. Well, that's that's great. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you made it in one piece. Um, it's yeah. always uh, it's always a fun time to travel with, uh, you know, a group of people. Oh, yeah. You know, what What would you say was the longest trip you've ever taken with your daughter in tow? Oh, goodness. Um, four hours? Ooh, wow. In the car? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's that's probably a good thing for you. Like, you know, we go down to Tennessee quite a bit. You know, Ooh. that's, you know, by the time, you know, you stop and you got to stop with the little one, you know, make sure she can run around and tell you what to do and, you know, eat her, eat her Panera or wherever it is that you stop. Um, oh, yeah. It's about eight, nine hours. We actually, we drove down to uh, the Great Smoky Mountains earlier this summer. That's and so great. It's, it was, it was like 10 or 11 hour trip, maybe even 12. I can't remember, but it was, a, yeah. it was a long day. So you just got to power through. I, I love, yeah. I love how much life changes at this age, right? You have kids, and then you're leaving, and your entire schedule revolves around when they will be napping. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, the power move there as a parent is to get in the car right when that nap's about to happen. That way you can get maybe two hours of uh, no noise, just calm, peace. If if I could, I'd leave at, like, 3 a.m., and then that way they're they're going to sleep through at least half half the trip, so... Sure. I mean, you, but, I mean, that's yeah. smart. That's what you do. Logistically, it's weird how much of these logistical uh, situations and scenarios that have played out since I've been a parent. Um, you know, stuff you didn't think about before, but you get into this and man, there's a lot going on. You know, yeah, there the is. engineering side, the logistical side of this parenting thing is a real big deal. And just the sheer like volume of stuff that you have to pack into your vehicle. Oh, uh, it just, I don't know. It just like it, it just exponentially grows when you have a kid so yeah i mean i remember you know going on these trips uh 10 years ago five years ago i could just pack everything i needed in a book bag call it a day as long as i had enough underwear i was gonna be fine now it's like oh my gosh packing is this ordeal you have to do it the day before you can't you can't pack on the spot anymore you might forget something yeah oh exactly you know oh. a, a bottle or I don't even know. I don't even do the the kid packing. My my wife does it. So. Oh yeah, same. same yeah. But it's stressful to watch. Just say that. And, oh and yeah. I help. Sure. I help. I'm just when I help, I usually uh, make things worse. So yeah. um, I've been told that I don't do a good job with the packing. Yeah. Um, didn't you know? Didn't put the cups in the plastic bag a certain it. way. And, like the lids that's aren't it. supposed to go with the cups. They're supposed to be separated. The, the and, pants I pack don't go with the shirts. Patterns yeah. don't go with stripes. I mean, how am I supposed to know this stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean? As far as I'm concerned, if if she's got a shirt, she's got pants, she's good to go. Yeah. And even the shirt, you can take it or leave it. I mean, come on. She's a kid. So, 
If you are joining us for the first time, we're glad you're here. Like we said in the beginning, we're Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Play or, you know, whatever whatever it is you're listening to. Uh, leave us a review if you don't mind. But, uh, you know, Tim, let's, let's jump into it. And, uh, it. you know, why not? Let's get started with Virginia Tech. You know, since this is a ACC mm-hmm. and Hokies podcast, and you know they're playing Furman this week. It's not the the biggest matchup on paper, um, but it is an interesting matchup, and a couple of things really stand out to me. So Virginia Tech is a twenty one and a half point favorite here against an FCS opponent. Which, if you recall, last week against Old Dominion, uh, the Hokies were favored by twenty eight and a half points, and obviously. You know, we we hinted or highlighted this in the last podcast. So if you missed that episode, go back and tune in. We're not going to recap that game here. But, you know, they only won by 14 points, you know, struggled uh, to run the ball, you know, struggled with execution on defense. Uh, You know, one thing that I think the Hokies will struggle with in this game is the Furman offense and the Furman offense is actually pretty, pretty stout, at least at the FCS level. And, you know, they're a team that lost uh, by six or seven points last week to Georgia state. If you do recall, Georgia state went on the road to Rocky top and beat those Tennessee balls in their own backyard. So, um, you know, Furman's a team that has a, a redshirt freshman quarterback. His name is Darren Granger. And he has been getting a lot of compliments uh, over the course of the week from the coaching staff. Uh, Fuente uh, actually compared him to Hendon Hooker, said he looks very similar to Hendon, uh, that he's a better quarterback uh, as far as passing ability compared to the quarterback that Virginia Tech played last week in Stone Smart at Old Dominion. Um, and the other thing that, you know, Furman does that, you know, has always caused Virginia Tech problems is, you know, they run this uh, really spread out offense. They're kind of in this like wishbone type of type of offense. They mix in a little bit of triple option as well at times. You know, I think this is uh, it, it is an opponent. It is a matchup against an FCS opponent, but, you know, it's one that does have a pretty dynamic offense. So I will be very interested to see how the defense Tim, matches up against against this offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems like the team, at least on paper, uh, that gives Bud fits and has given Virginia Tech fits, even when we've had a fairly good defense. Um, you know, so this defense being wholly untested uh, extensively this season and, and seeing a lot of, uh, you know, guys that are still young, even though we've gotten more experience, it gives you a little pause going into this game. There's no question about that. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, just to kind of allude back to Granger and what he's done this year so far, you know, he's completing 66% of his passes. He's got 441 yards passing, five touchdowns, no picks through two games, also 94 yards on the ground. They've also got a pretty solid running back in Devin Wynn, who's got 25 carries for 214 yards. And then their senior wide receiver, Thomas Gordon, actually leads the team in receptions, 13 catches for 216. So those are some pretty big numbers. Um, you know, their defense is giving up almost 480 yards per game, 277 um, through the air, 200 on the ground. So, you know, I do think the Hokies offense uh, should be able to move the football. I think the big question here is, Tim, 
you know, are they going to be able to run the football this week? And it's it's yeah. been a focus of the press conference. Uh, you know, Justin Fuente is well aware of the situation. He said it's been not just an offensive line issue, not just a running back issue. It's been a coaching issue. It's been a quarterback issue. So, you know, and I think he's right. I'd have to agree with them there. Um, there seems to be a lot of units, uh, a lot of decisions being made that's just not in the best interest of the running game at this point. Right. So I do expect to still see Fuente, you know, kind of be a, a dictator when it comes to turnovers, which, you know, if that if that's the way he's going to do it, that's fine. Just make sure it's consistent. Um, right. And uh, so, I mean, that's something I'm definitely going to watch. I, I do think Keyshawn King... You know, I'm hoping he emerges as as a uh, as a lead back after this game. And I mean, you know, temper your temper your thoughts on it. I mean, it is firm and it is an FCS opponent, but it would be really positive, Tim, if we saw this team finally be able to run the football on, you know, the team that they're actually playing. Right. Anyone. I mean, it I, doesn't bother me if it's Furman. Or anyone for that matter. I want to see this team impose its will on the on the ground, and I don't. It doesn't matter to me who that opponent is. I just want to see that we have the ability to do it in any situation, and that's something that is really stressing me out as far as the outlook of our season is, is our ability to move that that ball on the ground. And um, you know, it's nice to see some self awareness from Fuente in those comments. Um, and I do hope that we're looking at ways to make that you know to make running the ball easier. Um, but this is a problem that's been going on for so long that. Uh, we need to see improvement now. This is not a problem that we can fix in a few games. If we don't start seeing some returns on the ground, it's going to be a long season in Blacksburg. Yeah, and, you know, the running game, you know, we need to see no turnovers. We need to see sure. somebody emerge. And, you know, really outside of Deshaun McLeese, Kashawn King, and Jalen Holston, there's only been one other running back to carry uh, to carry the ball this season, and that's Caleb Stewart, and he's only got one carry. And so right. McLeese has like 31 carries, King has 15, Holston has around you know 10, and he's obviously injured. But McLeese is only averaging 3.1 yards per carry, King at 3.5. You know somebody's got to got to step up. But again, I think it's going to be King. Um, I'd really like to see him kind of emerge. I think Ryan Willis is going to have a good game. I'd, I'd like to see him continue to to play strong. I build off of last week's performance. You know he did have a couple of plays that just left you scratching your head but I think that's just what is going to happen with Ryan Willis week in and week out Uh, for the most part you know he played really well Um, the other thing I want to see Tim is maybe we can win a turnover battle this week oh man so right now Virginia Tech ranks dead last in the FC best in turnover margin or what did I say FC best the FBS (laughs) in turnover margin so they're at minus or plus three right now. Um, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, so they need to, you know, create turnovers. They need to stop turning the ball over. You know, obviously they've got a number of turnovers so far this year. I think they're up to seven. Um, so that's something to watch there. I'd really like to see the defense play, you know, really sound football all four quarters. You know, it's a, it's a unit that played really well in the second half against Boston College. It's a unit that played really well in the first half against Old Dominion. Uh, but, you know, there's one half of football in each of those games where they didn't really live up to the standard. So uh, maybe get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, 
stop trying to keep guys in front of you and go after the ball handler. You know, attack. Don't sit back and wait. I think that's that's something that Fuente pointed to in, in his press conferences. So um, I'll, I'll, I'm excited to see if they're up to the task there. I do think Furman will be able to move the ball just because their offense is uh, fairly dynamic. Um, I don't know how many points they're going to score, but my opinion, Tim, is Virginia Tech should win this game handily, but I'll say it's somewhere in like the 38 to 13 ballpark until I see them kind of play above and beyond what you would expect against an opponent like this. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm seeing a score in the low 40s, high 30s, um, and even that may be optimistic. Uh, you know, you just want to see more out of this offense, and you're hoping it comes now. Um, but with that, with an, with an offense on the other side that could present us problems, uh, it could be a little bit of a of a punching match in the beginning. Maybe the first quarter be a little close, but I certainly don't see us blowing this team out like like maybe a, another FCS team, one lower on the totem pole than Furman is currently. So I think you're spot on there. I think we'll see maybe 14 points given up and. Uh, you know, 38 points on our side, 40 points on our side, something like that. Um, but really and truly, we, we need to see that breakthrough. We need to see this team click. And this is going to be our best chance. So hopefully we get that to get some positive momentum going. I would love that to happen. Um, and if we're not able to do that, you know, the critics are going to get louder. Um, and, and Fuente is going to have to start answering some hard questions. Yeah, the team just really needs a spark. They need something right. really positive to happen, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, specifically in the running game. So, I mean, if they can get somebody going in that ground attack, you know, somebody to go for 150, maybe 200 yards, or break a 78-yard touchdown run, or intercept yeah. a pass for a touchdown, you know, just something to, like, yep. you know, energize this team. Because right now, there's just nothing happening, and... Yeah, you know, it's, look, it's just kind of listless. Yeah, it's, they, they it's look just listless. it's just business as usual. And right. you know, I will say that I'm I haven't been like displeased with the effort. I think there's things that no. they need to clean up. Uh, but now we're in week three against an inferior opponent. You know, now it's time to start making those changes. Now it's time to start seeing it on the field. Especially right. when you're going into a bye a bye week with yeah. uh, a, another conference opponent coming up after that, so sure we'll see and what you happens. Hate to get, you hate to get too much in that body language game, but you sure would love to see the team come out uh, loose and look like they're having fun, uh, in addition to a good performance. So I, you know, I think all of those things would be important heading into that bye week. Yeah, I wanna I wanna feel like I do about Dax Hollyfield on the field, like I do when I watch him on videos. Hey, Amen. That fair? Said it better. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, the, 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 that's a player, and not that we're going to pick on anybody individually, but th this is a game where Dax needs to just uh, say show up would be harsh, but he's going to have to do a little bit better fighting through blocks and making an impact. There's no question. Uh, so let's jump around to the ACC, Tim. Uh, there's a number of really good matchups this week, starting with, our favorite Friday night football team, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, they are hosting North Carolina 6 p.m. Eastern. And that game is going to be on ESPN for you. Wake is actually a three-point favorite. Third straight game, UNC will be the underdog. And 
you know, to me, Tim, this is going to be an exciting matchup. I think we'll learn something about both teams. I don't know how much. You know, right. I, I think we understand and, and realize that Wake Forest defense isn't very good. So, you know, they've played Utah State. Uh, they've played Rice. You know, they currently rank 123rd in the country against the pass. You know, 56th yeah, against the run. That's bad. Yeah, so you're they're going to give up points no matter who they're playing. You know, their offense, however, is ranked 12th overall and almost in the top 10 as far as the passing offense goes. So, again, we're only two games in, but I think the early indicator is strong offense, weak defense. That, to me, means we're probably going to see a number of points scored in this game. You've got UNC coming off of two games that really could have gone either way, and it can be argued that they could be 0-2 as easily as they're 2-0 right now. You know, with that fourth and 17 conversion against Miami late that led to the go-ahead touchdown run. You know, there was a number of mistakes that South Carolina made down the stretch. But, hey, at the end of the day, you know, North Carolina went out there. They made the plays. They've got a really good young quarterback who who looks like he's going to be a star in Sam Howell. Um, And he has shown that he's not going to shy away from the spotlight. So he's a guy who has been in some high-pressure situations in the first two weeks and has excelled. Uh, so something to watch. I think it's going to be a shootout. And I just want to say again, I really love what I'm seeing out of Jamie Newman. He's now started six games in his career. He's completed 132 with 200 passes, 1,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions, and has added 242 yards on the ground. And I believe he's 5-1 and one as a starter. That is yeah. off the top of my head. But, um, I mean, Jamie Newman – is a star. He is the definite leader of this offense. I think they're getting Cade Carney back this week. Who missed last week with a uh, with some right. kind of strain. Um, but I don't know. What What is your initial initial thought here? Well, as an official card carrying member of the Cade Brigade, I am super hyped uh, for this game. I love watching Cade run. I think Newman is going to have an easy time, but I think he'll put up numbers against UNC. I do think UNC's record is a little misleading right now. Miami did all they could to give that game away. Um, and, the, and the coaching was quite honestly poor from Manny Diaz last week. And, and that was a game Miami should have won. Um, I, I think Wake Forest offense is going to win the day. I expect it to be something maybe like 34-31 in favor of Wake Forest. Uh, nobody's going to go in to Winston-Salem. And is it in Winston-Salem? It is. Yeah. Nobody's going to go into Winston-Salem on Wacky Wake Forest Friday and take out Wake Forest. Uh, that's an absurd thought. But I do think that UNC, Sam Howell, should see success. Obviously, Wake Forest's defense has not looked good. But I think Justin Sternan is going to do enough uh, to keep him in check. And, yeah, I think I think the Demon Deacons are going to carry the day for sure. Something else to consider for North Carolina. They lost their top cornerback in uh, Patrice Renee towards ACL last week against Miami. So that's a big loss for them in the secondary. It uh, looks like either uh, junior Greg Ross or sophomore Trey Morrison are going to step up, and uh, then you've got Storm Duck behind them. So, you know, something I'm, to watch amen. there. Amen. Yeah, you got Storm Duck, baby. So yep. I think the thing to watch there is, uh, you know, Wake, Fo- Wake Forest receivers are are large. Uh, they're very they're very big. And uh, UNC's DBs outside of Storm Duck are pretty small. Uh, so yeah. I think we may see some storm duck this this week, uh, yeah. which I'm pretty excited about. A lot of a lot of storylines here. We also get the Surratt versus Surratt matchup. Yep. Uh, 
So we're going to see that uh, Surratt at linebacker for UNC, brother Sage Surratt at wide receiver uh, for Wake Forest. That'll be a nice little matchup. There's been some, uh, you know, some chirping going back and forth, I think, between them. Um, but Sage also has looked extremely good this year. Um, and I think it's Chaz. Is it Chaz or Chad? It's uh, it's right? Chaz Surratt. Yeah, Chaz Surratt uh, for UNC also has played really well, given that he's a quarterback that they've uh, moved to linebacker. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. Another another uh, thing to take a look for and keep an eye out for on Friday. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, Wake Forest here as well, Tim. I'm going to say it's somewhere in the range of 48, 45. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Um, and the only reason I do the 48-45 is just because of the the points spread. I I think North Carolina might struggle to score that many points, but I also just I'm not super high on the Wake defense right now, so I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so let's let's uh, round out Friday night, Tim. We've got the Kansas Jayhawks, uh, former Orange Bowl champions, against the. Boston College Eagles on Friday night, 7.30 ACC Network. Uh, Boston College, Tim, was a 21-point favorite. That should really come as no surprise. Les Miles and Kansas uh, come into town. Uh, They had a rally against Indiana State, which is an FCS opponent, in week one to win by a touchdown. And then they lost to Coastal Carolina last week, 12-7. This is only the second season that... Coastal Carolina has been in the FBS. So that's a pretty bad loss uh, if you're Kansas. And um, especially when you've got a guy like Puka Williams, who's, you know, the lead back, he's really kind of the catalyst of the offense. Um, You know, they've got quarterback Carter Stanley, who, you know, he's completed almost 70% of his passes, but hasn't looked particularly great outside of that. Um, Long story short, Tim, their offense ranks 110th after playing an FCS team in week one and a second-year FBS team in week two. And their defense has been, you know, about a top 60 defense. So I'm just going to go ahead and run with Boston College in this one. You know, Anthony yeah. Brown, he's looked good in the first two weeks. Uh, I'd, I'd look for A.J. Dillon to go over 100 yards for the first time this this weekend. And, uh, you know, you've also got guys like David Bailey who are there carrying the ball. you got Zay Flowers, who's a big playmaker. And I I like the way the Boston College defenses look. So I look for BC to win big over Kansas uh, on Friday. Yeah, I, this is an easy one. Um, you know, I think Kansas was hoping less would be more. But in this case, less is still less. Um, I don't think they're going to get it done. Uh, obviously, I don't think there's many people. Vegas doesn't seem to think they're going to get it done. Uh, give me the side with Zay Flowers. Uh, Boston College is going to take this one. And it won't be particularly close. Um, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, Kansas not looking good to an easy start, uh, to the Les Miles era. So, um, hopefully he can get that train turned around. I know they've suffered enough. At least the Jayhawks have in football recently. Uh, an interesting matchup to kick off, uh, Saturday morning, Tim, or, you know, afternoon, depending on where you're located. Pitt at Penn State. Penn State's the number 13 ranked team. This game's going to be on ABC. Uh, the Nittany Lions open up as a 17-point favorite. You know, first glance, I don't have any reason to disagree, but if I'm picking the point spread specifically, I might be inclined to go with Pitt. And sure. yeah. the reason I say that is, you know, on paper, if you look at the box scores, you know, Penn State, they've opened up against Idaho in the game in which they won 79 to 7. 
They then defeated Buffalo last week, 45-13. So, you know, the level of competition hasn't been particularly great. But in the game against Buffalo, they were actually losing at halftime. And uh, they didn't take the lead until their top cornerback, probably, you know, their best defensive player in John Reed, intercepted a pass and returned it for six. Uh, That kind of, you know, sparked uh, Penn State to go on and kind of take over that game. And he's a guy who... He's back this year, got his fifth year of eligibility after an injury, injuring his knee last season. But um, let's see how Kenny Pickett does against this Penn State defense. You know, he's coming off probably one of the better performances in his career, uh, but he's still kind of uh, adjusting to this Mark Whipple offense. So the caliber of Penn State's defense, I think, um, that's not really what I have in question so much. It's really about the offense. So yep. you've got... You know, a fairly new quarterback in Sean Clifford, who's a sophomore. He's looked good. Uh, He can, you know, he doesn't have any turnovers. He can move out of the pocket. He's actually got the most carries on the team. And right now, at running back, they've basically got a four-headed monster. They can't figure out who they want to give the ball to. So it's basically going between Devin Ford, which is the name Hokies fans will be familiar with, uh, Journey Brown, Ricky Slade, and Noah Kane. So... All those guys are getting looks. You know, one thing to consider, Penn State has only converted two of nine third downs, and it sees, or they converted two, two of nine on third downs last week, uh, three of 17 so far this year, which is 128th nationally. So there's something going on with that offense there. I think if that Pitt defense, that defensive line, played really strong last week against Ohio, I think that's going to cause Penn State problems a little bit. I have a feeling this game might be a little bit closer than people think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm way off base here. But I, I, I think Penn State wins the game. I think Pitt probably probably covers. Sure. Um, in, in what is probably the, uh, the best matchup, if you're into uh, a hateable coach versus a hateable coach, James Franklin versus Narduzzi here. Um, I think Narduzzi is going to be able to do enough and, and Lord knows he's, he's well enough and, and, and is good enough at scheming on the defensive end to make uh, third down conversions and pray off of a team who has a hard time converting. Um, and that is so important uh, to running an offense and getting an efficient offense on the field. Um, you could see a scenario in which Pitt makes this uncomfortably close for Penn state. In the end, you think the sheer talent on Penn state side would win out. Um, but I don't expect it to be quite to the point spread that Vegas has it at right now. You know, a seven-point game feels right to me, seven to ten points uh, to Penn State. But this one could be a sneaky good matchup, um, depending on what version of Kenny Pickett we get out there uh, for the Pitt Panthers. You know, looked looked improved last week, um, and, and maybe that trajectory can continue, and, and we can see some of the Pickett uh, that was talked about in the spring. Uh, and fall practice, and and who knows? This will be a fun game to watch. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be very competitive, and it's it's a rivalry, so those are always fun. Um, but yeah, give uh, give me Penn State, but it's definitely in a closer one than anybody expects. Yeah, this feels like a Big Ten matchup to me, just as far as the w- yeah. with the way the game's going to go. I mean, if you look at you know Pitt, they're much more battle tested to this point in the season than than Penn State. They played UVA to open the year. They played a good Ohio team last week. They're only allowing 82 yards on the ground and 179 through the air. So, yeah, you know that that to me says something. I have a feeling both teams maybe score under 20 points in this one. So, you know, if that's the case, if 
I think Kenny Pickett all he needs to do is protect the football, make sure he doesn't make any ill-advised turnovers. Pitt could have a chance in this game, but we'll see. We could look back and it's yeah. 56 to nothing. Who knows? Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's jump over to NC State at West Virginia. So noon Eastern, FS1. Wolfpack opened up as six and a half point favorites. This is not the Dana Holgerson, West Virginia, that we've all, uh, you know, come to know over the last few years. This West Virginia team is in a complete rebuild. Um, they're only scoring 13.5 points per game, and they're allowing 25, which that would spell a loss. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a close win over James Madison. They got blown out by Missouri. Uh, they do have the Oklahoma transfer quarterback in Austin Kendall. Uh, the biggest issue with West Virginia, Tim, is they just can't run the football. Uh, they only had 34 yards right. rushing against James Madison, 27 against Mizzou. And against Mizzou, they had 15 carries for negative six yards in the first half. So if anybody knows anything about NC State, the defense is pretty good. That defensive line should dominate this game, especially from the from the rush standpoint. What's your initial thoughts on this? And do you think NC State has a chance to blow that spread out of the water? Yeah, I mean, they do. Certainly they have the ability on offense. It depends on what you're going to get from McKay and what kind of improvement you're going to get from McKay week over week. Uh, Matt looked a little less strong versus Western Carolina than I think most expected. The flip side to that is the running game looked great. Uh, Bam Knight, Jordan Houston, Ricky Person really getting the job done on the ground for the Wolfpack, who may have the best one-two punch again in the ACC. Uh, If not, it's up there. Um, You know, if you look at them on the defensive side of the ball, the 3-3-5 and the implementation of that this year has gone smoothly. Uh, the team has been very, very stingy on defense and is getting great play from linebackers. Uh, Peyton Wilson has been stepping up, a guy that's getting over an ACL but has looked good at linebacker. Uh, Asus, really fast, playing well. It's hard to see the team slipping up in West Virginia, although road games are still uh, a tricky beast to predict. You could get an NC State team that comes out and starts sluggish. And you also have an issue... Uh, with Nick McLeod starting cornerback. Don't know what the status is on him heading into this game. Uh, And he is the best player in the Wolfpack secondary. So some things to look for. West Virginia's uh, open to the season has been very, very underwhelming. Um, You know, and I think most expected that. So I expect NC State to take the game. I do expect it a little more than six points. You know, this feels like a two-touchdown affair to me. Um, but I certainly, on, on the same breath, don't think NC State's going to walk away with any more than that. Um, you know, I, I think the the pride of playing at home um, it will keep this one tight for West Virginia. So, um, yeah, give me Wolfpack one touchdown or two touchdowns. It feels like a 31-10 to me, so that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go NC State uh, 31-10 at West Virginia. Here's a game I'm excited about, Tim. Florida State at Number 25, University of Virginia. So UVA, the media darling, they finally got into that coveted top 25, which everybody's been waiting for with, uh, you know, endless rest. Uh, This game will be 730 on ACC Network, which is frustrating because that's the same time as the Clemson game uh, that's going to be on ABC and they're playing Syracuse. So I'm not sure what the ACC was, uh, was thinking there. But, you know... These two teams, they've met 17 times uh, over the course of over the course of the years. Last meeting was in 2014. FSU leads the series 14 to three, of course. 
Uh, to be honest, I have no idea really what to think of this game, uh, other than I think it will probably be a good one, uh, just because Florida State has proven that they can play close games. They've just proven that you know they can't close it out. And a couple of interesting quotes really stood out to me um, by by Bronco Mendenhall. So, you know, one thing to watch from them first is, you know, Perkins has been Bryce Perkins, the quarterback for UVA. He's been wearing a walking bro- or a, a knee brace, I should say, this week. And, uh, you know, Mendenhall did say that he's probably not 100 percent, uh, but they do have no plans to take the ball out of his hands, which would allude to you know, a heavy dosage of Perkins in the run game. Uh, Speaking of UVA's run game, you know, we still don't know who that lead back is going to be. You know, Mike Collins looked pretty good last week against William & Mary. He had 11 carries for 78 yards. Uh, Our um, Hawaiian favorite, I can't remember how to say his name at this point, uh, he left the game injured for UVA. Um Tua La Papa, I believe it is. Wait, yeah. Tua La Papa. Yeah. So that's something to watch there is Holland's going to be the guy that gets the brunt of the work. Um, something I found interesting for Mendenhall, Tim. So if you recall, over the first two weeks, FSU has been up 24-6 and 21 to nothing at halftime against right. Boise State and UL Monroe, respectively. And they blew each of those leads over the first two weeks. So Mendenhall goes and says that the pace of play that they choose to move at, which is fast, may be affecting the rest of the team. So like the time of your defense on the field, you know, the time of your, your the you know amount of the, the speed at which your offense is moving. He thinks sure. it's starting to wear not just on the offense but on the entire team. And I thought I thought it was a great point because, you know, we've seen the leads disappear after halftime because they, they've looked very good in the first half. We've seen hydration be an issue. And we've, we've, we've seen this team basically collapse. And, yeah. um, and not just offensively, but defensively as well. So Kendall Bryles loves to move fast, but you know sometimes moving too fast maybe isn't a good thing. So I don't know about you. I think Florida State does need to adapt what they're doing offensively. I'm not saying they need to slow the game down, but they need to maybe think about the point Mindenhall is making. I'm sure they've had that thought themselves internally. Maybe not. Right. Can't really, you know, tell what's going on there. But um, what was your initial reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I certainly agree. And if you go back and listen to some of our preview podcasts on Florida State, that was uh, voiced by you and I as far as that transition to that up-tempo spread that up-tempo air raid that Kendall Bryles likes to run, what effect would that have on the team? And more specifically, what effect would that have on the defense? I think that certainly plays into it. I, I think it's two, two things. I think there are mentality issues still on that team. Um, and I know they're working to get that right. And yeah, I totally think it's stamina-related. If you've watched those games, uh, Florida State's games early in the season, they've looked totally gassed by the end of those games. Um, and you know that's something they'll have to combat. And uh, UVA is no slouch. Um, as far as teams go, quite obviously, given their record, given their ranking. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the Seminoles are able to do with UVA coming in on such a high note. Um, again, I'm also not seeing what I want to see from the UVA offense at this point. Um, you know, the, the explosiveness just doesn't feel, feel like it's there. Um, you know, you, you're not seeing 
uh, huge stat lines coming from Bryce Perkins, and he's not needing to have those huge stat lines. Um, but when he's going to be relied upon uh, in a game, uh, just he always is, when is he going to feel outmatched? And it may be this week where he's not able to do enough uh, to drag that offense kicking and screaming across the goal line and get him another win. Uh, so I'm interested here. There's a lot of team speed on Florida State, and that always changes things. This is by far going to be the fastest team that Virginia has played this year uh, and maybe the fastest team they play all year. And that can certainly give a team fits, especially when you're talking about UVA, who has, I wouldn't say, uh, huge speed problems, but they certainly don't have a plethora of speed on the outside and at the skill positions on offense. How will that translate to playing a Florida State team that has speed not only at the linebacker position, uh, but obviously at the DB position as well. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this game, uh, but I'm actually uh, tempted to pick Florida State uh, to win this one outright in a fairly uh, you know, low-scoring affair. I say fairly low-scoring, maybe something like 31 to 28 in, in, those kind of, uh, in that kind of score range. But um, there's something about this matchup that doesn't feel like it's going to be uh, great for UVA in this case. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... You know, the the one thing I'm watching is, you know, the Florida State defense is allowing 520 yards per game right now. Correct. So that's 324 through the air, almost 200 on the ground. They've given up the most first downs in the entire country with 64. Right. And then you look at UVA's defense on the opposite side, 228 yards per game, 157 through the air, 70 on the ground. Now, UVA has played what we think is a weak pit offense and our friends at William and Mary Florida state has played Boise state with a true freshman quarterback and a true or a uh, redshirt freshman running back. And then UL Monroe. So again, not stalwarts necessarily. Um, I think part of what's been going on with you or uh, Florida's Florida state's defense is the fatigue factor. Uh, that being said, Willie Taggart has still been outspoken about the defense. You know, the defensive line really struggled last week to stop the run. I do really like their playmakers on offense. You know, you got uh-huh. Samaria and Terry, you got Cam Makers, who without Cam Makers, they they lose oh last goodness. week to UL Monroe. So yeah. UVA is going to have to figure out how to stop that dude. Um, I think... This this is a pretty critical game for Florida State. No doubt. Uh, not just Florida State, but Willie Taggart. Yes. And I just don't think he can pull it off, to be honest. I yeah. have no reason to believe that he can go in there, and it's not exactly the most hostile place to play, but, you know, he should be able to. But he's just proven to me over the course of his time at, you know, Florida State that he just can't get it done. And I don't have any reason to think that that's going to happen against UVA. And I'm really going with the coaching matchup here. I think Bronco Mendenhall is far superior to, uh, as far as a a coach is concerned, to Willie Taggart. So I'm going to lead or lean UVA. I think it'll be close, but I think UVA probably comes out on top in this one. Yeah, and and I could certainly go either way. It's not a resounding check mark on Florida State's side. Um, but there is something that feels like the, there's this potential that you see when you watch Florida State, like that rampant first half they had against Boise State, where you just see that team 
They're firing on all cylinders. That offense is cruising. Um, there's glimpses of a good team when you watch Florida State. There are glimpses. And if, eventually, the odds are that the team will figure it out at some point. Um, there's just something telling me that at some point is going to be on this weekend. And I, I just have a feeling a feeling in my bones that I'm going to go with Florida State on this one. Um, Cam Akers, though, I mean, we, we really got to tip our hat to that guy. Um, what a complete stud he's turned into um, and really has been for a while. But this year, he's just been completely showing out. Uh, so let's move on to Clemson at Syracuse. So this game will take place 730 Eastern on ABC. And, you know, the more I think about the game last week between Syracuse and Maryland, the game in which Syracuse gave up 63 points, the more I can't believe how we've overlooked the fact that Syracuse gave up 63 points to Maryland. And, you know, if Virginia Tech did that or if Miami did that, all we'd hear about is the disarray in the locker room and what's wrong with the coaching staff and how can this happen and you know somebody needs to be fired and lose their job. Right. But with Dino Babers, I guess he's Teflon because it, it just bounced right off the guy. Yeah. And... I'm not sure I'm okay with that, to be honest. Now, if you give if if you allow 63 points, or if if Clemson scores 63 points against you, you're like, okay, you know, that I could see how that could happen. Maryland, and I understand that they're under a new offensive coach, and they've got Josh Jackson, who you know is a good quarterback, and you know I'm a fan of, but it's still Maryland. Like they're not sure. they're not there yet. They're not a team that you should lose by forty three points to. Um, so Syracuse goes into this game as a twenty seven and a half point underdog at home. Um, that is a huge point spread, right. especially with Clemson on the road. You know, against the team that has given them issues in the past. That being said, you know, if I told you, Tim, that Trevor Lawrence had more interceptions and touchdowns at this point in the season, what would you what would you say? I would say that's absurd. Well, that's that's the case. So he's got yep. two touchdowns and three picks on the year. That being said, he still looked very good. Um, you know, he just had a couple of turnovers in that first game against Georgia Tech. Um, I'm still going to ride or die with Trevor Lawrence no matter what. Uh, you know, ETN was a guy who you know, had an underwhelming performance last week against Texas A&M, but Texas A&M made sure that Travis Etienne wasn't going to beat him. So what happened? Trevor Lawrence beat him. Uh, so that's just kind of what you get with Clemson. Uh, you got Trevor Lawrence. You got Justin Ross. You got T. Higgins. You got Travis Etienne. You've got a really stout defense. Um, I like Clemson big in this game. Uh, I think something's going on with Syracuse. Even, like, I thought they had a good defense, but... I just I, I just can't get over last week's performance. So maybe they come out and they uh, they surprise us this week. Uh, I think the big question is how does Tommy DeVito look and play? If he's struggling, uh, then it's going to be a super long day for Syracuse. Yeah, and then that was our concern off the back of Liberty was the Syracuse offense just didn't look like it was clicking. Still really doesn't look like it's clicking. Um, and the defense that we thought was the strong suit of that team, and it is. I mean, let's be honest, the defense is the strong suit of that team got absolutely exposed against Maryland. Um, and I don't know if this is given film to teams about how you deal with Syracuse's defense, but that is just an absolute shellacking. And like you, I can't believe that Dino's just kind of 
skirted all of the tough questions when it comes to that game. It seems like there's no pressure up there on him. Um, and there shouldn't be as far as his job, but he should still have to answer some difficult questions on. He's he's on really good down. at not answering questions he's asked if he doesn't want to answer yeah. them. And he did yeah. he did that in the offseason with, uh, you know, questions about, you know, jobs coming up in the future and, and things like that. So he's just he gives you this weird answer that you're like, what did he just say? And then by that time, somebody else has already asked the question and you know right. you've you've moved on from the situation right the art of the deflection uh, yeah is strong with him um I mean, looking at this game i mean you see those issues that we've had with syracuse uh devito's gonna have to turn it around and is that turnaround gonna happen against clemson uh no I, I don't think so um you know i think vegas has it right here and as much as you love the idea of another carrier dome upset for syracuse over clemson uh, just for the sake of competitiveness in the conference, um, it's not going to happen. And I certainly don't think uh, Clemson will have any any problems scoring on this defense after what I saw Maryland do. Um, if Maryland can do that, uh, just imagine what T. Higgins and Justin Ross should be able to do, uh, you know, through the air and what Etienne should be able to do through the you know on the ground. So, um, yeah, Clemson big in this one. Uh, Duke at Middle Tennessee. Uh, this game's on s- at 7 p.m. It doesn't appear that it's on a network anywhere. I'm sure you can catch it on the ESPN app. But, you know, Duke is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Middle Tennessee comes into this game 1-1. One and one. They open the season against Michigan with a 40-21 to 21 loss. Um, you know, they've got, they've got a quarterback in Asher O'Hara who has played pretty well. Um, against Michigan, he was 22 for 32 for 217 and two touchdowns. Also had a rushing touchdown. Um, they were almost a five touchdown underdog in that game, so you know they they did more than than cover for sure. Um, and they they beat Tennessee State last week, game in which uh, O'Hara threw for four touchdowns and ran for over 100. So, um, you know, Middle Tennessee is a team they're giving up almost 460 yards per game and about six yards per play. So there is ample opportunity for Duke to make some plays on offense in this one. And, you know, Duke's biggest issue is they've struggled to defend a quarterback who moves out of the pocket. So that to me is is uh, could be a problem with O'Hara because he's a guy who can move. Um, The other issue that Duke has really run into this year is penalties, which is uh you know, the opposite of what we're used to seeing with David Cutcliffe. They've been penalized 17 times in two games. So uh, they need to kind of get that under control. You know, Quentin Harris had a huge game last week. Uh, it'd be good to see him kind of build build off of that performance and, and have a strong outing here. I do like Duke in this game. I'm not super confident about it, uh, but I think it's going to be a close game. It might go down to the wire, but I think Duke will come out on top. Yeah, that Blue Raiders versus the Blue Devils. O'Hara certainly looks like a quarterback that's going to give Duke fits. I think Harris will not do enough to keep it close and, and eventually give Duke the win. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a tight game. And honestly, this is one that could be sneaky fun to watch. Um, it certainly sounds like it could be an exciting game with uh, two quarterbacks that you know may be worth sitting down. And if you're like me, you've got maybe an iPad running at the same time the TV is on. Um, you know, given that there's probably going to be a blowout in that Syracuse Clemson game, um, maybe this is one that you turn on and check out. Yeah, this you got this game, Florida State UVA Clemson Syracuse on at the same time. So right, pick right. your uh, pick your poison. Uh, 
Uh, Bethune Cookman at Miami, 4 p.m. Eastern ACC Network. I'll go out on a limb here and say Miami gets their first win of the season. Uh, they're a uh, they're a 41 point favorite. Uh, Jaron Williams, DJ Dallas should have a big day. I think Miami rolls in this one. We probably see the second team after halftime. Yeah, absolutely, no question. Um, they should, and and for all intents and purposes, they better uh, settle in. And, and Jared Williams again, I like what he's done so far this year. It'll be nice, I think, for him to maybe take a breath um, and have a game where he can play quarterback without as much pressure. Um, and we'll see what he does, and we we'll see what Enos is able to do. Uh, you know, with a game that'll open up the offense a little bit, um, and maybe that offensive line will get the reps they need to hopefully improve uh, as the year goes on. And um, you know, Manny Diaz is, is certainly ready for a, a walk in the park kind of game. I think this game comes at the right time for a Miami team that was uh, really taking some punches to the gut early on in the season. Yeah, I'll be surprised if the Wildcats actually score in this one, but yeah, um, who knows when you get the second or third team in there? You know, sure, something's Anything bound to happen. happen. Uh, Louisville at Western Kentucky, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Cardinals are a 10-point favorite. Western Kentucky opened the year with a loss to Central Arkansas, but beat FIU last week. Uh, the best part about Western Kentucky so far has been their rushing defense. It ranks 25th in the country, allowing about 85 yards per game. The best part about Louisville's offense has been their rushing game, which is led by Javion Hawkins, who, you know, he's up to 245 yards on 30 carries. That's 8.2 yards per carry. So... Uh, I do like Louisville on this one. I think, uh, you know, they've looked very strong running the ball. Uh, Juwan Pass has uh, has been okay. He played well last week against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, they had that 42 to nothing shutout performance. Satterfield obviously has the buy-in from these guys. They're playing hard. They're playing strong. Uh, so to me, uh, I got to lean towards Louisville to uh, to beat the Hilltoppers here. Yeah, definitely strength on strength matchup, which is always fun. But I think the Puma is going to be on the prowl. The running offense from Louisville has really looked good. Um, from a scheme standpoint, I think Dwayne Ledford is doing some really, really good stuff up there in Louisville uh, as the run game coordinator. Satterfield obviously calling some good plays. And there's talent on that side of the ball, and, and particularly uh, that personnel grouping uh, that Louisville trots out. And anytime you have a quarterback that can run, the way Puma runs, it certainly makes it a lot easier to get it done on the ground. So, uh, yeah, I expect Louisville to win, um, and the Hilltoppers will go home sad. But, uh, you know, another big building block game for Satterfield and company. So last game we'll talk about this week, the Citadel at Georgia Tech. Uh, regional ACC network coverage, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Not much to say here. Georgia Tech is a 27.5-point favorite. Uh, the FCS Bulldogs, Tim, they're 0-2, losses to Elon and Towson to start the year. Uh, I would look for uh, the Yellow Jackets to build off of last week's win against USF. Get Jeff Collins win number two at old Bobby Dodd down there in Atlanta. Yeah, and you know the key for them is going to be open up that offensive playbook a little bit, uh, take a few more risks with the offense. This is a, a, a game in which you can try some things out scheme-wise, play-wise. Um, and, and maybe you won't have to rely on working that option run in as much. Um, you know, figure out what you're doing and what you want to do for the rest of the year. I think also uh, the theme continues. This game comes at a good time for that Georgia Tech team to, again, start working on some things and, and starting the transition into the new era. 
uh, from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm really looking forward to this week uh, in the ACC. There's a lot of matchups where, you know, it's still early enough to where you shouldn't be losing hope as a fan base. Uh, sure. But you know, we're still kind of at the point where, you know, we're starting to kind of see what these teams actually are. So if somebody takes a big step up, you know, maybe, maybe there's new renewed hope around the fan base. If somebody takes a step back or if somebody doesn't perform like we're expecting, let's say UVA against Florida State, then uh, then they'll go back to the drawing board and let's see what happens. So, you know, it's college football. Everybody's an expert. Uh, but at the end of the day, you just got to go out and win football games no matter how pretty it looks. So, uh, Tim, any uh, any final words before we sign off? No, I mean, that's pretty much it from me. I just want to say that uh... – you know, Wake Forest Friday should be especially good this week. And I am looking forward uh, to seeing that Wake Forest-UNC rivalry game um, pick up. And what should be a pretty good matchup, given where both of those teams sit. Uh, and, you know, it, it may have implications uh, on the Coastal uh, moving forward. UNC, a team that's uh, looking like a potential dark horse to maybe uh, make some noise in that side with the... Uh, tumult we see in Miami and, and certainly Virginia Tech stumbling out of the gate. Yeah, it's it's hard to know right now if North Carolina is a contender or pretender, but uh, sure. we'll maybe get a glimpse into that this week. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that game as well. But that is it for our week three preview. Uh, again, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and, uh, you know, tell your friends about us. Uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. You can also head over to chowderandgrits.com. Listen there if you don't have access to any of those players. Uh, and then you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, you know, go get in our mentions or, you know, just start following us and see what we're talking about. So, uh, Tim, why don't you tell these people what they can do for us? Leave a review on whatever uh, app or site you're using to listen to us. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know where we can improve. And uh, let us know of any content you'd like us to throw on here or anything you'd, you'd find interesting. Um, also, share what we put out you know, on Twitter and Facebook. And you notice any posts that are going out, retweet, share posts, uh, spread the word, let people know uh, who we are and what we're trying to do. We certainly appreciate all the help we get from you guys. And as always, we appreciate listening. And, We'll close again this week with saying uh, go ACC and look forward to giving you a review show uh, on Sunday for your ride to and from work on Monday.